glory departs when we find ourselves in a world where we can't find one single saint shining. When we can't find one single saint, one single Christian shining, the glory departs. And then the church becomes a social club. Everything becomes a routine, a religion, and there's no duty to devotion. My prayer is that we, Calvary Chapel, you, Calvary Chapel, be the church. But not only that, that there'd be duty to devotion. Wouldn't that religion? Oh, no, it's not. Each of us have duties. Samuel chapter 4, we read that the glory of the Lord departed from Israel because of the nation's sin and complacency. In today's message, Pastor Mark teaches us that we are to shine the light of Jesus and reflect His glory to a needy and lost world. Unfortunately, we too can experience separation from the Lord when we fall into habitual sin. The glory of God departs from our lives when we are not fully surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Pastor Mark points out that truly devoted followers of Christ shine brightly in a dark world when their good deeds and soft hearts bear witness to a close relationship with God. Well, let's join Pastor Mark with today's edition of Come Alive from 1 Samuel chapter 4. What suffering and glory, they're synonymous. They go hand in hand. You and I as Christians will suffer when we surrender what? Our flesh. It's hard. It's hard to sacrifice what we want to do with what we need to do. Well, when we sacrifice and we do that, we, you and I as Christians will suffer when we surrender our flesh to those earthly desires. Those worldly desires, as we read a few weeks ago on that Wednesday night, that first Wednesday night in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Those earthly desires, those desires of the world. We should want those desires to be crucified to the cross Right? We should say, Lord, we want these desires to be crucified to the cross with your son, Jesus Christ, and I may walk according to the Spirit, that your Spirit becomes my Spirit. That is what is supposed to happen. That is what I'm supposed to want. We all talk about wanting to be Christ-like. Oh, I want to be more like Jesus. It sounds cool. sounds holy and spiritual. You say it in the right context. People, oh, man, he's so humble. He's so spiritual. But do you really? Can you really? Do you know what that entails when you want more of the glory? You want more of the glory? Well, you're going to get more of the suffering. We should want those desires. And we should need those desires to be crucified with Jesus Christ. The desires to be more spirit-filled, more like Jesus Christ. It's a great desire to have, but those earthly and fleshly desires need to be crucified. But what happens instead, we don't realize that our lives are being looked at that we're supposed to be the leaders in the community when it comes to Christian morality because we don't really see that we really don't see the need for that devotion. We're really not that devoted to the things of God. We're more devoted to jobs, more devoted to other things than we really are. Seriously, when you think about it, are we really devoted to Jesus Christ and what he wants? 
If you have the same devotion to Jesus as you had to your job, I always say that if you think about that, what do you think your spiritual life would be? How do you think that would be? Yeah, you can take it all to work with you, and you can make that job that you need to earn a living, to support your family, to support missions, to support your church, to support whatever ministry God has called you to support. You can use that money. That's cool. But are we really that devoted to Jesus the way we are to a job? I mean, I have to ask myself that every single day. How am I going to devote what I'm doing for the glory and exaltation of God? How can can this exalt God? So we tend to overlook our devotion. And when it comes to Christian morality, we need to be those leaders because we don't really see that we have a need, and we really do. And so we tend to make decisions without spending time with the Lord. We tend to forget about him sometimes in some of those decisions. We tend to get the, I want. That's better than the other thing. But how do you know the other thing isn't what God wanted you to have? And then all of a sudden, you know, those people who basically put themselves in a coffin and nail it shut, and then start screaming, God, why did you allow that to happen? That's insanity. That's crazy. We, we get ourselves in places and we all of a sudden want God to bail us out. And because we make decisions without consulting the Lord, he just becomes kind of an, an it to us. It, you know, a church. I love it. It's where I go. It's what I do. Instead of it being a very real and living thing, after a while we lose our focus so much so that the glory is gone. And when the glory is gone, we know, well, we start to walk according to the flesh. Well, we tend to forget about that. We start to do the things that the world starts to do, our our religious routine. It becomes a religious routine, everything that we do. Well, you know, it's a devotion. I've got to get up in the morning and have this, and it becomes a routine. We don't take God or his word serious, and then the next thing you know, we're dead, and the glory departs. Now, you may not be physically dead, laying on your back with a flower in your hand, waiting for somebody to carry you off to bury you, but spiritually you may be dead. So what were we created for? Well, were we not created to be a vessel of honor? Well, we weren't created to be a vessel of dishonor. We were created for God's pleasure. What would bring pleasure to God? Doing his will. Doing those things. Back to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel 4. Take a look at verse 19. Now his daughter-in-law, Phineas' wife, was with child, due to be delivered. And when she heard the news that the ark of God was captured, and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed herself, she gave birth, for her labor pains came upon her. Okay, so we'll stop there. At this point, you see that Phineas's wife hears and sees something horrible. And so sometimes that causes she's probably eight months pregnant, kind of far along. And the heartache and the shock causes her to go into labor. So in in verse 20, And about that time of her death, the women who stood by her said to her, Do not fear, for you have borne a son. But she did not answer, nor did she regard it. Verse 21, And then she named the child Ichabod, saying, The glory has departed from Israel, because the 
ark of God had been captured and because of her father-in-law and her husband. And she said, the glory has departed from Israel for the ark of God has been captured. So here, the, the lady who's delivering the baby into the world, as she says, you, this lady, um, we really, she's just a wife. She says goodbye to her life. She says goodbye to her father-in-law's life. She says goodbye to her husband's life. And another woman says, rejoice, a son is born. And Phineas's wife says, you don't get it. <laughs> you just don't get it. I have nothing to rejoice about. My whole world has just been destroyed. Because the world my baby son is about to be born into is a world without the glory. See, isn't that, it's cool to see how a mom really reacts. It's like, hey, this isn't cool. Rejoice? My son's being born into a world without God's glory? What's so happy about that? Well, what do I have to rejoice for? And she had more spiritual insight than her husband and her father-in-law at this point. When you look at it, I mean, she knows. She understands. She totally gets it. Eli was concerned about the safety of the tabernacle furniture, the Ark of the Covenant. She at least had concern for the glory of God. Remember I I said a while back that 1 Samuel is a study of contrast. You kind of see these things happening, kind of playing back and forth, the seesaw effect. And so she she has a concern for the glory of God. My question for us today is, do we have that same concern as Christians? Do you have that concern for the glory of God in your everyday life and what you do? Do you have that same concern for what you do in the secret parts of your life where nobody's looking? Where you think nobody's watching? People watch. I'm always amazed at how, like, I will get a phone call and I'm like, really? Yeah, one of your guys, one of this. Saw your truck. I saw you. What were you doing at? You, you might think you got away from it. Again, we reap what we sow. Just because you plant it today doesn't mean it's going to grow by this evening. You may not get busted for a little while, but you'll get busted. Because God knows. Is the world with the glory or without the glory that we live in? Well, we began a few weeks ago saying the extinction of Christianity is only what? One generation away. Christianity can become extinct by the next generation if this generation doesn't do something. It can go away. Has the glory departed? Now, I'll say to all of you that we have a responsibility. We as Christians are not leading Right? If we as Christians are not leading, then we're following. Are we following this pattern as Eli did and usher in children where there's no glory to God or the glory of God? Are we ushering in children where there's no glory? Well, what are we doing? What is this glory? Well, glory is shining. In, in Hebrew, it's kabod. What's the little baby's name? Ichabod. No glory. But shining is kabod. It means shining. And there's something special about the shining of a believer when they live at their very best for God. Have you ever noticed those people that live at their very best for God? Wednesday night we watched, what's that guy's name? Matt Barkley. Quarterback for USC. 
Matt Barkley spoke and he said, you know, people always ask me why I'm always smiling. My head coach quit. This is happening. This is happening. I'm always smiling. People always ask me why I'm doing that. Well, he's shining. He's shining. God's glory is in him. He's a witness to a university. And so it's amazing. And there's that something special about the shining of a believer when they live at their best for God. Are you living at your very best for God? Is the glory gone? Is there no shining in your life? I mean, have you ever met those Christians where you're talking to them and you're like, wow, I wouldn't have even guessed that you're a Christian. I would have never guessed that. Life seems just to be horrible for you, the way you talk. Well, it is. Okay, Eeyore, everything will be okay. The sun will come out. See, those Christians that are shining... They do stuff inside out. Remember, God's ways are not our ways. So if we do stuff inside out, instead of doing the what, the how, and the why, as Christians, we do the why. Why do we do it? I challenged my guys this morning. Why do you do what you do in ministry? Why are you doing it? I challenge you today. Why do you do what you do? Define that, and then talk about how you're going to do it, and then what you're going to do. If you do that, that's the difference between companies like Apple and people like Martin Luther King Jr. and the Wright brothers. Because if you think about all three of those, Apple's a computer company, so is Dell. Who had the little iPod thing or the, what do we call that thing? The MP3 first. And then the iPod came along. Because of the why. When you research those companies, you see that they had a, the, the visionary was different. It was from the inside out. It's the why. Martin Luther King Jr. Hey, there's great orders of the day. How did he get all those people before emails and before computer technology to, to converge on the capital? And, some, and it's not a black and white deal because 25% of the crowd was white. And there were a lot of other civil rights people talking. So what makes him different than the politics today and the people that have You know, you hear, he had a dream, right? He got all those people together because he had a dream. It doesn't mean he was right about a lot of stuff. He was wrong about a lot of stuff. History proves that. A lot of stuff that he was wrong about a lot of stuff. But it didn't mean anything. It was was him. It It was the why. He was passionate about something. Compared to all the other orators of the day who were greater, probably, in speaking. And then the Wright brothers. I can't remember the dude's name that was in New York, but he had like fifty, sixty thousand dollars ready to be funded to create an airplane, a flying machine. And here are these two brothers that own a bicycle shop on a beach somewhere. And after they took flight, it took two days for anybody to hear about it. There wasn't any press. And the reason these people were different is they didn't do it because they wanted recognition. They didn't do it because they wanted to be seen. They didn't do it for any other reason other than the fact that they were passionate about what they were doing it. We as Christians tend to go back to the what? Well, we want to go out and reach the world. How? Well, we'll, we'll do this. We'll spend all kinds of money. We'll buy people gas. We'll pay the difference. We'll have them only pay a dollar and we'll pay the other dollar fifty. We'll bring people in church. I've seen churches do that. And then it the why is gone. It's like, will you come to our church? Instead of, here's why we want to do it. We don't want to just put rear ends and seats. We want to see people come to know Jesus Christ. To come to know the glory, the shining. 
And so these guys are like, I'm going to make a difference for the world. I'm going to make a difference in the world. Can you do that? Can you be? It's just one person. But that's all it takes. Why do you want to make a difference in the world? Those people shine, and they're fun to be around. All those people on I Am Second, you see, you're like, well, yeah, you know, some of them are stars. Well, yeah, but you see what they've done. They've changed. They switched. They've repented. They turned. They've given their life to something greater. They went back and said, why am I doing what I'm doing? When I got saved, I had to ask that same question. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Why, not, why am I not being like these guys who talk about Jesus, who play hockey, who seem to be cool, who don't cuss, who don't talk bad about each other, who are always laughing, they're shining. I want to be like them. And then one day I hear a message and I'm like, oh, that's how you, that's what you, that, it's, it's that simple? The decision was a pretty simple decision. The walk is what was tough and is tough. It's a narrow path. But I want to make a difference. As opposed to those who say, they came from monkeys. Why live? What's the purpose? I'm just going to be turned to dust. You meet those people and you say, wow, that's really, see why you're so happy. If you really believe that you came from the goo to the zoo to you, then, I mean, somebody stopped me. But anyway, it's like, you know, it's like Wednesday nights. Somebody came and said to me, Asa was a good helper. He was a great guy. He helped little Asher, and he participated. So I went up to him, and I said, hey, I'm so glad that you were good. You made me very proud. And I was like, thank you for helping out. And I patted him on the back. I was like, you're, you're a good boy. And he smiled. He started to shine. And I started to shine going, that's my boy. You know, one time somebody told me there was a kid sick over there, and Asa ran over there and prayed for him. And I was like, man, that's pretty cool. You know, my son, the miracle healer over in children's ministry. <laughs> but it's the same way. When you're doing it right and God's shining through you, his glory will be seen. When my son was doing it right, I was proud of him. I was walking around like, yeah, you get it. And then there are a lot of nights like last night. <laughs> you know, you're just like, what happened? Somebody take the batteries out of the flashlight, bro? You're not shining anymore. You're throwing a dark cover over some stuff. But when you're doing it right and God's shining through you, his glory will be seen. Are we doing it right? When everything becomes a religious routine, you can count on it. Ichabod. You can count on it. The glory departs when we find ourselves in a world where we can't find one single saint shining. When we can't find one single saint, one single Christian shining, the glory departs. And then the church becomes a social club. Everything becomes a routine, a religion, and there's no duty to devotion. My prayer is that we, Calvary Chapel, you, Calvary Chapel, be the church. But not only that, that there'd be duty to devotion. Well, isn't that religion? No, no, it's not. Each of us have duties. You don't call your job a religion, but you do the same thing every day, I bet. That's not a religion. You know, you think about it, it becomes one of those places where, okay, it's here. We have three fast songs, two slow, slow some teaching, but, and then we'll bust out of here because we're on our way to a restaurant, and, and me and my buddy, we're going to split the bill, and then off to life we go. If that's it, if that's what you do Sundays, then you just stop. Don't let it happen. Don't come in here and just feed on that spiritual food of God that he has set before you and just grow spiritually because a lot of people do that. You grab a lot of knowledge. Oh, I learned a lot about the Bible today. 
I can go tell somebody what I learned about the Bible and sound smart and cool. But it just, it's no good if we don't do it for the right person. The why, not the what. The why first. You got to be active with it. It's like regular physical food. You just sit and eat and sit and eat and sit and eat. What happens? You sit and grow. You sit and grow. You sit and grow. You start to take up so much room, you start crowding other people out. Please don't let that happen. Don't let the glory leave your grasp. Jesus came to earth and the glory returned, right? There was this, this, this gap of, you know, the prophets. You read the prophets and they're, woe was, you know, me. And then all this bad stuff and you're going to be captured. And there's this time of just horrible, bad things happen because God says, I love you so much. I've got to gotta show you how much. I've got to discipline you. I've got to show you what you're missing out on. And then Jesus comes to earth. And the glory returns, and that glory can dwell in you. We have something that these Old Testament guys didn't really have or comprehend, is that that glory can live inside of us, each one of us. So we need to learn to say, Lord, if it means suffering that I share this glory, I'll die to the flesh. And with that death, bring you even greater glory? That's what we should say, amen? Amen. So where are we at? Where are we at with our lives? Is there duty to devotion? Are we sitting back in our chairs, leaning back and just watching life go by with blurred vision? And the reason our vision's blurred is because we can't see this and we can't seem to see this and taking it out there and watching it work. God's word doesn't come back void. Can you, is there somebody you can share with in your life? Make a list of 50 people. If you don't know 50 people, make a list of everybody you know. And then the next assignment would be, go tell them what makes you shine. Go show them what makes you shine. Have that conversation with them. And you know, sometimes as Christians, we just give them good messages, and we want them to leave feeling, oh, I feel better, without making a decision. It's kind of like going to a funeral parlor and cleaning the dead guy. He's still dead. He's still dead. But if you could resurrect him and resuscitate him, wouldn't that be better? And let him be a little dirty, not just feeling good, but alive? That's who we're to be. We're to be people to ask other people, hey man, so what's this decision I just told you about? To build that bridge, to gap that bridge, and to show them Jesus Christ and his glory, his shining. Are you shining? Do they want what you have? Are they afraid of what you have? Every book in the Bible holds meaning for us, even in our modern times. In 1 Samuel, for example, Pastor Mark has been teaching us about the power and sovereignty of God. Our Creator does what He needs to in order to accomplish His tasks, regardless of our involvement. How much better would it be, though, if we did step into God's plan for His world? God wants to use each of us to do incredible things for the kingdom. All we need to do is be willing. We're so glad you tuned in today to learn from 1 Samuel, and we'd like to encourage you to keep reading ahead. You'll learn a lot as you discover God for yourself. Another good place to hear and study the Word is in a church setting. Here's Tracy with a little more about what being in the body of Christ can mean for you. Joining a church is more than just showing up for a Sunday morning service. 
It's getting to know the people you're worshiping with. As the church body grows together in the love and teaching of God's Word, it will become a powerful and effective witness for Christ within its walls and beyond. If you're near Katy, Texas, we'd love to meet you Sunday at 10 a.m. at Calvary Katy. Visit ComeAliveRadio.com to find out more and get directions. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast as well to keep up with the latest editions of Come Alive. You can find it on Google Play or iTunes. Thanks for tuning in today to Come Alive.